Would you like to attach a face to that voice? When you subscribe to the Book Interrupted YouTube channel, you get to see everybody, as well as check out a bunch of extra Book Interrupted videos and music content. Visit the Book Interrupted YouTube channel to see what you've been missing. Parental guidance is recommended because this episode has mature topics and strong language. Here are some moments you can look forward to during this episode of Book Interrupted. It's not over. They're not finished finding bodies. Indigenous women still forced, coerced into sterilization, a Senate report from June 3rd, 2021. I don't know. I'm probably going to be risky here, but that's literally like a giant Canadian Holocaust. And if you continually ask for an apology and that eventually comes, it doesn't really it? feel genuine, does it? Wow. I guess she must be a chef herself. That's where my brain was like going. And I was like, oh, you dumb dumb. It's in, the the in the bedroom. In the bedroom. Uncomfortable positions. Oh, boy. For other people. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because it's like not lost on me <laughs> that we're a bunch of white girls talking about it. Disrupted. Mind, body, and soul. Inspiration is with uh, And we're gonna talk it uh, out. On Book Interrupted. Welcome to Book Interrupted, a book club for busy people to connect and one that celebrates life's interruptions. If you'd like to join along, this book cycle is from October 24th to December 4th. It's Kim's book pick, and we're reading They Called Me Number One by Bev Stellars. In this frank and poignant memoir of her years at the St. Joseph Mission, Stellars breaks her silence about the residential school's lasting effects on her and her family. From substance abuse to suicide attempts, and eloquently articulates her own path to healing. Let's listen in to this episode's group discussion. Speaking to uh, like kind of on this, but speaking towards season three, isn't it crazy how many of the books that are banned are just banned because it made someone uncomfortable? A gay person in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. still in this day and age. Yeah. Too much swearing. So we're banning it. What? Mm -hmm. Like we don't I want our children guys... to learn about the real world because yeah. that might upset them. And you're like, the real world is upsetting, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of upsetting stuff. As if learning doesn't include moments of discomfort. discomfort. Yes. Because you're bringing in new information and it's possibly opening up new perspectives and possibilities. But that's a theme that's actually emerged that me and some of my colleagues have noticed working in the mental health industry ever since COVID. This theme is coming up more and more of you made me uncomfortable. How dare you use the word addiction? And it's a weird phenomenon that I don't understand. So I'm mentioning it to all of you just because it mildly came up, this idea of the banned books and how so many of them are struck off because, well, you know, it's making me uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. What's worse? Somebody like, feeling um, mildly uncomfortable or... The people who are being censored. History being a lie. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
people being silenced. And I was like, and how are we ever supposed to, in our interactions, completely know another human a thousand percent to the point that I can vet everything that I'm about to say or share so that I can ensure with absolute probability I will not raise something that makes you uncomfortable. Well, that's what it is. That's what Can't it you just raise it and then be like, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm not at a place right now. I just, I don't want to talk about, done. Like, look after yourself. People have got the message that they're not supposed to be uncomfortable, that mm -hmm. they're not supposed to be offended, right? Like yeah. that's not supposed to happen. And if it happens, it's incredibly it offensive. something bad you have done. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like you've wronged me because I have this expectation that I will always be comfortable and never offended. That's not realistic. No. Mm -mm. I like feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> I want people to challenge me. I want people to give me information that makes me feel like I need to think about it and be challenged and I don't know, think of a different perspective or change my view if it's something that I didn't realize, you know, I thought. And, but I think that's also we've come that far too, as a society that we're, I know people also don't want to feel uncomfortable, but I feel like we're more okay with feeling uncomfortable now than our parents' generation at the gen Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe I'm just wrong. No, for sure. We're not done for sure. I was watching the history of sitcoms yesterday before people on TV had to be shown sleeping in separate beds and, 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 and then they're like, and then sex in the city. Yeah. <laughs> it's like showing how far that has come. And I think what you're speaking about is anti-racism work, right? So, and I think that's still really new. I mean, at least it's new to me, but I also feel like it's fairly in its infancy and mainstream anyway, because that is what it's about. It's about opening yourself up to being uncomfortable, being wrong, being told that you made a mistake, all of those things that you're describing. And I don't think that everybody's there for sure, but that I think is where we should strive to go because that's what it takes in order to move forward. Otherwise we will be frozen in fear of either being racist or whatever, right? We'll be frozen because, because that's why I was just, it's funny that you made that comment. Cause I was just thinking like, I want to ask everyone, like, how do you feel about talking about this book? I know that I'm hypersensitive because I want to be respectful and I don't want to make any mistakes. And so I'm still wrestling with that whole thing, even though I know and feel strongly about how important it is. So I just wanted to open it up if anyone else has any thoughts or feelings just about the experience of talking about this book. I think already there's more pauses between people talking because we're all yeah. like, well, how do I feel and how do I express myself in a respectful way? And at the same time, you can say, I know this book is going to make me feel uncomfortable and maybe I'll go through a little bit of depression and it'll be hard. And at the same time, I think it's important to read it and go through those hard times because what I'm experiencing is nothing compared to what these children experienced. And how else can you support change if you're not even willing to feel uncomfortable for a couple of months? I say a couple months, like I'm not going to retain anything, but you know what I mean? When you're in it. While you're reading it. Yeah. When like you're reading your it, first that's experience. the most intense while you're trying to work through all the information. And also, I think there's part of me that thinks I know what happened, but when you have somebody who went and tell you exactly, mm. that's different. So I have some expectation of what is going to be in the book. I haven't started it yet. And at the same time, definitely there's going to be some prizes or even just processing that okay I thought that was a thing and it was yeah confirmation this, or whatever the yeah. confirmation 
so yeah, it is tough. Also trying to explain to somebody. And then I usually talk to other people about books you're reading when I'm reading them. Because people are like, so what are you reading on the podcast? Yeah. And those conversations will be difficult too. Like, how do I describe it? And, you know, yeah, and also we like uh, sometimes judge the book, right? We're like, oh, that book was lame or what all this. And so not that we're going to judge this book, but it's hard to have the kind of standard conversations that we have. Like, do you approve? Do you not approve? Like, it's not really about that for this book. So it kind of stretches our comfort zone and how we do book interrupted even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would feel inappropriate to say... I don't like this book. I don't like Bev's writing. I wouldn't recommend it. That just doesn't <laughs> seem like an option Yeah, for me personally, because I wouldn't approach the review of it in the same manner as I would burnout. Yeah. Or maybe you would feel more of a jerk to being like, I don't like the way you wrote about your life. You know? Yeah, like- I would, I'd, just, I'd feel more like a jerk for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, but you guys said that about Fun Home. That's what I was just thinking. I'm like, I am a jerk. And Fun Home is her <laughs> life story. And you guys are like, I don't like the way she wrote about her life. Right? I did, though. <laughs> yeah, yes. Bear's okay. Yeah, but I felt okay to share it about a white author. And yeah. I mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable doing that with Bev. Although I do happen to like the book. Oh, I was, you know, I was going to say about that Sanya's training, something I never knew. And I, Bev talks about it in this book too, is that I had no awareness in spite of pursuing indigenous studies so that I could have some awareness of Indian hospitals. I had no idea that those were a thing until I went through that Sanya's indigenous training. And that also blows my mind. I don't even know how I could be more surprised and disgusted. It's just I don't so know about it. atrocious. You have to talk about it now. I don't either. I'm not at that chapter yet. I just got to chapter five. I have no awareness. Yes, so it's in there. Before that, she spends a lot of time in a hospital and they go mm-hmm. away for like two years to the hospital. But what they're doing in the hospital is crazy experiments on them. They're doing whatever they feel like. They're treating them like how we currently treat animals. Well, I don't know how much animal experimentation is still happening, but. Is that the tube thing? That was an experiment they did on her for the tuberculosis? I don't know if that one was. I don't know if that was an experiment or not, but she doesn't know why she had to swallow the tube so many times. And I also wondered about that. Is that just her, like. Me too her child memory like is the tube actually a tube or is that the best way that she can understand being sexually assaulted I don't know about that either but they sterilized a bunch of women without their consent or knowledge perform experiments and I had no idea and that also was like what I don't know I'm probably going to be risky here but that's literally like a giant Canadian holocaust like it's not different at all. So the fact that, you know, you talk about the Holocaust, everyone's very comfortable being like, that was, you know, off the charts as far as unacceptable. But then we talk about the entire history of Canada's Indigenous people and people are still, well, or whatever, maybe not even in the full no. I don't see how it's even a little bit different, except for it's gone on for way longer. <laughs> like It's not different. They numbered the kids. They were in work camps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought there was they a gave the, They didn't give them good food. It was substandard and disgusting. There was sleep deprivation and horrible sleeping conditions. I thought there was a recent, fairly recent news story about a woman being yes. sterilized without being told about it. Like recently. Recently. Like these biases. Was it an indigenous woman? Yes. Yes. Indigenous mm-hmm. woman. I'll try to find it. But it was like, these things still happen because the racism 
and the biases, the stereotypes, all these things are still persisting in the healthcare system. Indigenous people don't get the same care as white people. They're less likely to seek it too because of their entire mm. experience and history with. Yeah. Right. So you only go to the hospital if you're desperate and then and you're not going to necessarily get the care and it persists is what I'm saying. Yep, it does. Indigenous women still forced coerced into sterilization, a Senate report from June 3rd, 2021. That's the headline from the global news. So that was in 2021. That's still happening. Crazy. Yeah. Has everybody had a chance to start so far? Mayor, no. No. Leah, no. I started, I've only read the first maybe two chapters. You got like the Zoom invite and you're like, oh shit. No, no, I I actually read it weeks ago because I'd finished Burnout really long time ago. So I was like, oh, I'll start reading this. And then, I don't know, life was crazy and I did pick it up again. So I was like, oh, I should read more. I actually was the one that was like, oh shit. But not because, (laughs) not because I hadn't started reading because I stopped reading Burnout and I was like, I'm moving on. And I just went on to the next book anyway. Then when I got the Zoom invite, I was like, oh, good thing I did that because I wouldn't be anywhere near. Brilliant. Yeah. So it was luck. Just dumb luck. Yeah. Up until yesterday, I was trying to finish Burnout. I was like, I have to finish this, but I, (laughs) I didn't. I'm you made it way farther than me. I've been wanting to learn more about residential schools. So I'm glad you picked this book, Kim, because mm-hmm. I, you know, I know some, but I've been debating about picking up Five Little Indians or a few other books. And so I'm glad you picked this because this is speeding along the timeline because I think we should all know more about it. Well, and that's the thing. I picked it because it was current in my mind, like in the front of the media and everything. And now if you look when we're coming to finally do it, because we obviously pick our books so far in advance, it's not at all talked about. It's not over. They're not finished finding bodies. And right. And so I'm glad also that this will, well, I mean, not like we're worldwide. The Pope only just apologized, I think two months ago. And it's still like, is that even good enough? And like, was that, yeah. I can't even, I just, mm-hmm. the whole history is white people being like, well. oh yeah, sorry, or oh, okay, whatever. And then just doing whatever they want anyway. And it's just like, I don't blame any. Or being advised by their lawyers on how to proceed. Well, the fact that the apology didn't come right away. It can be like, oh, I'm the current Pope, but I didn't know. It was over a year. That it was like, people have to keep on asking and asking. And if you continually ask for an apology and then eventually comes, it doesn't really it? feel genuine, does it? Right? No. Right? Like, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. You shouldn't have to ask. Exactly right. <laughs> right? Yeah. From one of the wealthiest organizations on planet Earth, you shouldn't have to beg. Then they have to admit fault when they apologize. Well, exactly. And then legally, and from a liability standpoint, you know... We wouldn't want them to be penalized. I mean, the two cultures are just so fundamentally different that it's very challenging for any real reconciliation to happen. It's kind of how I feel like that's how I started trying to learn more because what I learned, I observed the pattern, which is the white people say whatever they need to say to continue being white people while the indigenous people just get ripped off. And in the beginning, like trusted until they realize, like, oh, you guys just say whatever the fuck you want and then just keep on doing whatever the fuck you want. 
And then the reconciliation report was out and it had all the things listed. What's the status of that? Not good, you know, and it doesn't matter anyways, because I feel like it's bullshit and not bullshit, like not worth it. It's just repeating the same old patterns. And so when I pursue allyship, I'm really trying to understand in a meaningful way how to actually have some kind of reconciliation. It's really hard for me to not be cynical, but for to go and like dive into groups that are made up of Indigenous people, if they'll have me too, on top of that, right? That's what I try to do. It's really, I don't want to say like ground floor, you know what I mean? Like it's not checking off any of the calls to reconciliation or whatever, but it's at least helping me really understand from a legitimate perspective. I guess it's too big picture. I get really overwhelmed when I look at the big picture and I take in the fact of how history went and everything else. I'm like, what's the point? Like, this is bullshit. So Mm -hmm. I got to go right down and get into a group that is about, there's the group called Indigenize and they put on well, workshops, I guess. They'll go into a school and like help give some training to the teachers or, or whatever. Right? They have a whole bunch of different things that they do. And I went in one that was called like reconciliation, right? That's what it's about. It's like, okay, I understand. I understand all the lists and whatever, but like now how do I actually go about trying to actually do anything? So I'm still trying, you know what I mean? But I don't feel like I'm doing. And I also feel scared. Like when we have this conversation of, an outside voice being like, okay, yeah, you can talk about it and condemn it all you want, but what are you doing? And back to the reason why I picked this book, hopefully what I'm doing is at least a little bit of awareness raising around ways to find out the stories if you're interested in learning more. Because I guess you have to know, obviously, first before you can do, I don't know. Just like we've talked about before, anything you expose yourself to can change your unconscious bias as mm. well. Reading the stories and learning more and all the stuff. And I think I'm going to echo what some of the other members said is I've been thinking about looking at books that I want to read about residential schools. And so it's nice that you picked this because there's more than one to choose from. And it's also nice to have some people to talk to about the book. Yeah. Right. Like to process all of it. It's nice to have somebody to talk to and Who's also trying to process the same information. Who's also trying to stumble forward. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, because it's like not lost (laughs) on me that we're a bunch of white girls, right? Talking about it. You know, I would open up the fan episode to any Indigenous bookies who might want to come in and share their thoughts or feelings too. I'd love to level up our representation or even mm-hmm. any other culture, like any other person that's not any other non-white person, come join us, you know, have a conversation, represent. But I like that we have the group to talk about it with too. I also chose this book specifically because she was from British Columbia. So it was closer to, so for me anyways, not for the other half of this group, me and Mare. <laughs> I've been to Quinnell. So when I was looking at the map, I was like, oh, I camped there. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. (laughs) This interruption is brought to you by Unpublished. Do you want to know more about the members and Book Interrupted? Go behind the scenes? Visit our website at www.bookinterrupted.com. Book Interrupted. I love fall. Probably my favorite season. I mean, I like all the seasons for different reasons, but fall, just the weather changing and it's still being kind of warm, but not too hot. And 
just my favorite bit by far is the leaves on the trees and just this year how spectacular they are they were like neon reds and yellows and oranges and they're just so beautiful and I actually does interrupt my day because oftentimes when I see them I have to just stop and look at them because I think they're just so pretty and what uh, amazing thing mother nature does with that so yeah I'm interrupted my day by fall leaf change book interrupted Leah do you have any thoughts I know it's hard because generally I'm reading the last book right up until the morning of so I haven't started any of this not even the forward I can tell you that I'm nervous yeah. about reading it not maybe nervous in a I'm not ner nervous is the wrong word. I know I'm going to be uncomfortable and it's hard to look forward to something that makes you uncomfortable, but I know that that's important. Mm -hmm. So nervous is the wrong choice of word. I don't know much on the topic aside from the little bit I've seen on the news. It's pretty heartbreaking stuff. And I think it's going to be a good read, actually a hard read, but a good read. It's also, I find really hard when you see like real life pictures and stuff. Oh. Yeah, just you you guys talking about it that are like further into the book and the little stuff I get a lot of, I can feel in my body. So it should be something, should be something kind of horrifying and uh, enlightening all at the same time. I, I'm glad you picked it though. Don't take it as anything other than. Oh, no, um, no, no. I understand that in, the thing that's also challenging that I think that you might be speaking to too is like, what if I can't read this book? Am, should I, yeah, I know there's some like hierarchy of certain books like we were saying, Fun Home, that was her experience and her life story. And I mentioned in my personal journals, I want to be respectful because it wasn't my, my particular cup of tea. But that's someone's life. When it's someone's life. And I was thinking about that when that came up. And I was thinking, yeah, I think there's certain books that maybe it's almost not an option not to finish. Um, maybe it's not in the timeline that this book cycle yeah, allows, yeah, but maybe it's mm -hmm. important to commit to that. I like that. I was just thinking too on how I'm afraid of actually participating in white saviorism or being perceived as white saviorism motivated. And I think how I've reconciled that with myself now, just in this moment, based on Mayor's comments and listening to Leah, is that in the very least, we can be the example for white privileged women. I guess that could kind of cover all of us. And so it's not about us doing something directly for Indigenous people, but it is about us showing an example of something you can do as a white privileged woman who also doesn't really know what to do. You can at least pick up a book, you know, and yep. here's a good one and we'll talk about it. So maybe other people will be like, oh, okay, I could read that. Or that sounds like a good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how do you change the unconscious bias of a whole society, you know, slowly or maybe quickly if you can, but uh, information, I guess, a little bit at a time. For mm -hmm. sure. And maybe we're speaking to like an unexpressed white culture ideology, which is we're trying to contribute towards the premise that to grow and learn and be an ally necessitates that we subject ourselves to mild forms of discomfort. Or extreme, yeah. Or <laughs> depending extreme. on how you yeah. experience it, right? But yeah, totally. back to the whole stumble forward point. Yeah, I could imagine this will be a caricature, right? Of you know, some woman in the 
fifties being like, Oh, I can't even, even if she knew I can't, I can't read about that. That's too atrocious for me. Anyways, pass me my tea or my mm-hmm. martini. It makes me too sad. Yeah. Right. And so now it is okay to pursue the discomfort, you know, it should be expected. You shouldn't not feel mm-hmm. horrified. <laughs> you should feel that way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And let's face it. We all put ourselves in uncomfortable positions for far less, like watching a very sad movie that is fiction and not based on real people, right? Feeling in the, the bedroom. Feels. Just feel the feels. In the bedroom. Uncomfortable bedroom. positions. Oh boy. For other people. <laughs> you know, we go there willingly. Yeah. Wrong. Some of us it more than so others, wrong. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing last night? <laughs> the pretzel. The pretzel. <laughs> oh, what did, didn't we make up a... Hot coffee? I'm so boring nowadays. I was like, can I keep my socks on? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I don't like wearing socks. That's one of the first things that comes off when I come home. Socks. Get out of here, socks. That's the same thing for me. I While I was calling to fall and winter with my previous outfit, I do not look forward to wearing the socks. Mm. I love yeah. socks. I love socks. I love socks. I'm like my dad. I've got compression yeah. socks on right now, not because I, I need socks. them. I just like how it feels. It's <laughs> like something hugging your legs. <laughs> oh no, I don't like that. I like slippers. I do like slippers, I like slippers. but I do not I like, like socks. I will wear compression socks on long flights because if I don't, you can't tell the difference between my upper calf and my foot. It's just like all one big tube. It's It's just like a stump. My ankles get so swollen and it's so painful. Like the Lego characters? Yeah. It takes a couple of days for the swelling to go down. Yeah. Compression socks. I have them, but I would never wear them unless I was on the plane. Yeah. Voluntarily. (laughs) Well, voluntarily, I guess you're not getting them forced on you before you fly <laughs> the flight attendant is like sit down Put me on. <laughs> here's your penis and here's your compression socks yeah <laughs> that'd be hilarious down. by the way <laughs> i think that'd be above and beyond the call of duty i don't know mm-hmm. if current flight attendants would be up for the challenge <laughs> i think they're they're already like air marshals you know what i they're mean they're already stretched a little stretched that job has become a little bit ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so stupid. Oh, reading the back, and I was like, man, she has a lot of chefs commenting on her book. <laughs> chefs? Oh <laughs> no! Uh, my eyes geez. were just like not focusing, and I was like, wow, I guess she must be a sense. chef herself. That's where my brain was going, and I was like, oh, you dumb dumb, it's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like oh my god like it's a heroic it. tale of the culinary arts <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah thank you for joining us on this episode of book interrupted if you'd like to see the video highlights from this episode please go to our youtube channel book interrupted you can also find our videos on www.bookinterrupted.com are you having a hard day do you just need a break? Then I would suggest one of our off-the-shelf episodes. They're filled with laughter, silliness, and nothing serious. You could find them at the beginning and end of each of our book cycles, like bookends. Hold on to your bookmarks, because Book Interrupted is going off the shelf. Moments you can look forward to on next week's Book Interrupted. While she was learning it one day, she could all of a sudden knew where she was pointing. Our culture is so 
you own things. It's that idea of owning. With the climate crisis, it's like literally like we have people who know what to do, right? Like, let's listen to them. This is really my ranch is on their land. And he gave it back to them. I can't even. Yeah. Only, only federal, federal employees. Yeah. The, like they're the federal... ones that should have to work. They should be the yes. ones that have to work. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Book interrupted. Never forget every child matters.